So a little bit different picture this, this day. So raise your hand if you're, if you're 12 or under. Let me see your hand. So if you're 12 or under, raise your hand. Okay, there's Tom, good Tom. Not 1,200 or under, but 12 and under. Um, man, so we got everybody mixed in here together today. So we're doing something a little different, right? So a little different. We're calling family worship, which really all of our worship is family worship. Everybody's always welcome in here. But oftentimes, right before we start preaching, we whisk all of our kids outside, and they go have all this great age-appropriate stuff that's happening in our classrooms. We feel like that's really important and really valuable for them. But every once in a while, we want to all gather together as family because that's how the gospel unfolds in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about that But we've been studying Ephesians for 38 weeks. We started the first Sunday of the fall last year, um, and we are coming up on a year now, 11 months actually, 38 weeks we've been in, and we've been looking at every single verse, and we finally made it through chapter 5, and we are starting chapter 6 this morning. And within the context of Ephesians, we have been in a a little mini-series tucked in there at the end of chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6, that we have called Rules for Marriage and Family. And it's where Paul begins to address the context of what a Christian household should look like. How wives should submit to their husbands in the Lord. How husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Last week, Brandon talked about the responsibility and beauty of marriage. And this morning, we're going to be unpacking the idea of the relationships that children have to parents and that parents have to children. So we thought it would be a great avenue this morning to get all together in the same room and talk about those things. So if you're 12 and under, 14 and under, 18 and under, or if you're just a big kid at heart, all of this is for you. Now, Jenny has put together some very specific things for you if you are younger. She put together a little sermon bingo game, right? So the idea is, I didn't come up with these words, she did, and so it's going to be really interesting how I get them in there because she threw some real curveballs at me. Your job is to listen so intently this morning that you can mark out all of these words. Now, if you mark out all of these words, there is a basket out front waiting for you. Here's here's what a bad person I am. I wanted to say, if you don't mark out all these, you don't get to go to heaven. But that's terrible, but really funny. Uh, And Jenny said, no, we can't do that. We're just going to give them Skittles. And so I said, yeah, okay. I like my idea better, but you're, no. So the idea is you're going to try and get all these squares colored in, right? And there's a basket out front if we do. Now, if we miss one, I'll say them all at the end probably. So anyway, we're going to use this. So this is what we're going to use to pay attention. I'm going to keep it here because I don't recall what they are. And I'm going to try and sneak one in every now and again for us so that we know what we're doing. So we're going to be paying attention and focusing on that as we talk to two specific groups. We're going to talk to children and we're going to talk to parents, all right? Now, here's the bigger context I want you to understand. For Paul, the idea of the Christian household was the center place for the gospel. We know that from our little study, right? We know that how wives and husbands react to each other, what marriage looks like in terms of it's a reflection of Christ's love for the church, like The gospel is expressed within the context of our homes. How parents and children relate to each other is actually a reflection of the gospel. What that means is that the gospel begins and ends in our home as believers. And Paul is talking to believers. This letter was written to the believing church in Ephesus. It was written to moms and dads and husbands and wives and people that have fully submitted their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he's saying, as the church... These things are vitally important for you. So if you aren't married yet or you have been married, they don't pass you by. They are still a part of the fabric of creation. 
and what I have for you as a follower of Christ. And so the gospel works its way into every movement in our family. And husbands and wives and children and parents and our marriages are a reflection of the gospel of the watching world. How you and your children interact and children, how you interact with your parents is actually a picture of how you love Jesus. That is just true. And the world sees it. And that's what Paul's making an emphasis on. How we live out the gospel in our own home matters. Meaning, we can't do something different at church than we do at home. Our life should be consistent, and it should be beautiful, and it should be not perfect, but it should be a reflection of God's great love. And this is the fourth Sunday and the last one in this little mini-series tucked in there called Rules for Marriage and Family. We're going to be speaking to children and we're going to be speaking to parents, all right? So if you've got a Bible, moms and dads, I want you to open it up, or if you've got your iPhone there, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in the first four verses. We're going to break it into two sections this morning. Jenny promised you all in her realm post we were going to be short, but we're not. We're going to be normal. And on top of that, right, we're going to really dive into some big, important, and challenging things about what it means to be a kid and what it means to be a parent, all right? And we're going to do it in two different ways. We're going to talk to parents, and we're going to talk to kids, so if you've got that Bible, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to pray really quickly, and then we're going to break these things down. And we're going to try and do it in a way that gives us some very practical things that we can take out of here together. All right, so you can start marking your bingo card now, because we are off and running. So let's pray. Lord, oh, there's one. I feel like we're going to hit that one a few times. Maybe want to pencil that one in a couple times. We are so grateful for how you love us. We are grateful that you have called us into a relationship with you because you love Christ your creation, that you have knit us together in your image. You have made us. You tell us that we were formed in your image, that you don't make accidents, that every body in this place, every soul in this room was intentionally and beautifully created by you for your purpose. You love us. And so this morning, Lord, we are grateful to be in your presence together as the church. We ask you to teach us. So right where you sit this morning, just say, God, teach me. Teach me. Teach me something new. If I'm a kid, teach my heart. My parent, teach my heart. Lord, just teach me. We do this each week. Take a second and pray for somebody beside you. Maybe it's your mom or dad. Maybe it's just a friend. Or maybe it's you're here for the first time and this is all a little bit different. Just trust the process and say, pray for somebody beside you. Everything we do on a Sunday morning is not about you. We want you to be in the habit of praying for the spiritual movement and lives of the people around you. Care about what's happening in their life. Pray that God would move in them. So take a moment and just say, God, move in this person's life. So, Lord, we turn our entire morning over to you. We ask you to teach our hearts, instruct us in this together as family, church family, and as individual family units. Uh, Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. Amen. Now, a quick word. If you don't have kids or you're not married or you're just here kind of hanging out for the first time, we don't want you to feel like this thing doesn't apply to you. The truth of it does is because we are all children. Now, some of us, we are inherently children because biologically we are all children, but we are also young and age, but we are all somebody's child. So at the end of the day, when we talk about obeying our parents and doing things like this, we don't outgrow these commands. I hate to tell you that, but even as adult children, there's no moratorium on honoring your father and mother. 
And that's a little bit hard to swallow. But we're going to get to the whys here in a moment. But there's something here for every one of us because the bigger principles at play are really, really valuable. So don't tune this out because you're going, hey, I'm not a kid or, hey, I'm not a parent. The truth is the principles at play are highly valuable because God's demonstration of the gospel works within the context of family. So let's listen to what what Paul's got to say here. Remember, we're into this bigger picture talking about wives and husbands and husbands and wives and marriage and what it looks like and all those things. And now he's going to address children and parents. This is what he says in verse 6, 1 through 4. Children, excuse me, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So just like Paul speaks to husbands and wives, he takes a moment and he addresses a specific group. Right? Three weeks ago, we saw him address specifically the women of the church, those that were married. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord. Right? Then the next week we talked about where he addresses specifically to husbands. Husbands. Love your wives in the manner that Christ loves the church. And we spent a lot of time unpacking those, right? So if you're curious about that, go back and take a listen. They're all on the website, but we explored those in depth. Then last week, we funneled those things into the actual marriage relationship and the beauty and responsibility that lies there within. And now Paul breaks these out, which could probably be two different weeks, but we're going to push them all into one. And he begins to speak directly to children, and then directly to parents. And so the first thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk to children, talking to kids. Now, here's something really amazing that's happening in this letter that I think we fail to remember. So the assumption in this letter, the reality of this letter, is that these children were actually in the context of this letter being read to them. Paul knows it so much that he addresses them. So the early church gathering was most likely a small group of people, usually between about 15 and 30, that gathered together in a cell within the community. So in the larger picture of Ephesus, there wasn't just a couple of thousand people that met in a big mega church with a family life center. First of all, they weren't allowed to do that. The Romans wouldn't have it. Greeks wouldn't have it. And so what they did was they met in small groups. And when Paul would circulate a letter, they would gather together and they would read it and study it. And the assumption that Paul had was that letter was being read to the community. And in that community, everybody was gathered. Children were there. They weren't whisked away because they couldn't handle what was happening in big church, right? Paul's addressing them. As the letter's being read, he is assuming, and rightly so, that children were there to hear what he was saying. So wives do this. Husbands do this. As married people do this. Children, I know you're listening because you're there. I'm talking to you. And this is what he says. And he tells them two things. He says, children, obey your parents for it is right. And children, honor your father and mother. And he gives an explanation why here in a moment. We'll get to that. But he tells them two things, right? Obey your parents and honor your mom and dad. Those are the two instructions that Paul gives to children. So children, kids of all ages, 5, 6, 8, 12, 22, 48, however old you are, if your parents are still alive, you are given this command to do two things, obey them and honor them. So what does it mean? Let's break those down quickly and simply. What does it mean to obey your parents? Well, simply put, it means to do what your parents ask. Now, every single one of us in here is thinking about the exceptions to that rule. 
right? I mean, that's ridiculous, right? And they're true. There are ridiculous exceptions to that rule. But think about the bigger principle at play. Mom and dad have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. They are following the Lord. And God is calling us as children that are being raised by parents who love Jesus to do what they ask. This does not expire. There is not a moratorium on it. Once you hit 22, graduate college, take a young lady or take a husband or have a gentleman call or whatever it is, right? You don't have to, you no longer, this doesn't actually apply. The truth is this continues on. Mom and dad are always mom and dad, and you are called to obey them. Now, there's a lot of exceptions, but think about the bigger principle here, right? Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, when he adds that in the Lord, it's really important because he does the same thing when he calls wives to submit to their husbands in the Lord, and he does the same thing when he tells the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. He's basically saying this, obey your parents as an expression of how you love Jesus. Submit to your husbands as an expression of your love to the Lord. Husbands, right? Love your wives as an expression of how Christ loves you in the church. All of these things are not commands to just do something. They are to do something because God has shown us his express love in Jesus Christ, and we are called to respond to his love by loving him back. And so he says, children, obey your parents. In other words, do what they ask because they love the Lord and so do you. Now remember, these are Christian families you're writing to. A lot of exceptions, but here's what we're addressing in the middle. Love the Lord in a way that honors him by honoring those fabric of the people that he has put in your life, right, that are your parents. So he says, obey your parents. It means do what they ask. Then he goes on to say, honor your father and mother. Now, to honor someone means that you put them in a place of respect and admiration meaning that you look at your parents and you see them as valuable. You hold them in a place of esteem or of honor or of respect, right? Which is a little bit different than just obeying. You can do what someone says and still be really kind of cringy about it or mean about it or awful about it. But to hold them in a place of honor means that I'll, I'll do what you ask because I respect you, I respect what God has done, and I admire you for who you are. Again, not always easy to do, and there are dozens of exceptions, but the principle here are these two things. Obey your mom and dad because you love Jesus and because they love Jesus. And honor them, respect them, because God has placed them in your life as important people that are growing you and protecting you and nurturing you. So hold them in high regard. Now this is hard, right? Because as kids, most of us Really hard to look at our parents that way because they don't know anything. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know anything. And you are so much smarter than they are. Like, literally smarter. I know this. I've raised teenagers. I am a full-on loser. Not only do I not win at life, I don't know anything. The older they get, the dumber you get. It's just the way it is. Until they hit 23 and they realize how dumb they are. And they're like, whoa. Whoa. Um, taxes? Can somebody pencil me in a lesson on what in the world that is? Um, and they start asking questions again. All of a sudden, mom and dad aren't quite as ridiculous as they once were. But the truth of the matter is, right, this is a place of maturity. Our children are growing into a place where they begin to understand in maturity that I'm called to obey and honor these people that God has placed in my life because he loves me and I love him, and they're a valuable part of who I am. And God has given them the challenge and instruction of teaching my heart. So 
Why then does God call us to honor and obey them? That's a good big question, right? Same question we ask is why does God call wives to submit to husbands? Why does God call husbands to lead their wives and to lead their families? And why does God do this? Well, Paul gives us three quick little examples, right? And he says it right there in those next verses. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. So the first thing that Paul says is really easy. He says it's just right. Obey your parents because it's right. There is an underlying principle here that in every culture in humanity, there is an authoritative structure that unfolds in creation. That parents give birth to children or And those children are raised by their parents, and they are called to do what they say. Because if they don't, truthfully, they may die. So if mom says, don't play in the street, there's a reason she says don't play in the street. Because cars go by, and and scooters go by, and they will squash you, right? You got that one, right? They will squash you. So we're called, right, to obey them because in the fabric of creation, parents were there to nurture and protect them. It's just right. So it's not more complex than that. And here's the thing. Even in our crazy, misguided culture in which parents' rights for their own children are increasingly being stripped away by overreaching governments, by public schools, by cultural pieces and things that say, that's not your right. Your kids can make decisions at eight and nine about who they are, what they want. Paul says here is that there's an underlying principle here at play in which parents are leading their children and children should obey them because it is right. It is a created order. And that created order matters to God. All right? So the first thing he says is, children obey and honor your parents because it's right. Because you're supposed to. Because that's how God created and ordered life. Secondly, he says this in verse uh, 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So not only is it right, but it's commanded. And it's really important because it's commanded in a very specific way. It's actually part of the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment that God gives Moses on Mount Sinai is honor your father and mother. Now, you know what the first four commandments are? The first four commandments are all about God. They're about Basically, having no other gods before God, right? Don't worship anything else. They're about honoring God in the way that you worship. They're about honoring God in the way that you speak. In other words, not taking God's name in vain. And they're about honoring God's day. All the first four. The very next commandment, before you get to murder and stealing and coveting and all those other things, right? The very next one is honor your father and mother. Do you see how important this is in God's economy? God values that created order so much that it becomes the fifth commandment that Moses gives, or that God gives Moses to give to the Israelites. Do you want life to work well? Right? Honor your father and mother. He says, this is how things play out and will make for peaceful and honorable lives. God commands it. So why do we obey our mom and dad? Why do we honor our parents? Because it's right and because God says to do it. And we want to be people that honor what God says. This doesn't stop when you're 20. If you have parents that are living, you are called still because God commands it to honor them and to obey them. Now again, It gets complicated. I realize there's a whole bunch of other things there, but just think about the bigger principle. Are you honoring your parents as a grown child? 
Are you putting them in places of admiration and respect? Are you looking at them with general and wonderful gratitude? Right? So the third thing we see here, right, it's right and it's commanded. And the third thing comes right at the end of that verse where he says this, for it is commanded, right? It's the first commandment with a promise. And this is what he says, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So he says, you honor and obey your parents because it's right, because God commands it. And when you do, you will enjoy long and great life here on earth. Now, Technically, in Exodus, when God gives Moses this command, he tells him the same thing, but he says, you will have great promise or great um, abundance in the promised land. Not on earth. He says the promised land because he's talking directly to the Israelites. And they're getting ready to head out into the promised land. He says, you want abundant life here on earth? Honor your mom and dad, and you will have a great life in the promised land. Paul takes a bigger principle at play, and he looks at the Ephesians, and he looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, if you want abundant and joyful and real life here on earth, honor your father and mother, and you will have great and long days on earth. The bigger principle is God rewards it. Now, we don't obey God because he rewards us, right? That's not why we obey God. We obey God because he is God, and he knows everything and has our best interests at heart, and because we love him. And God rewards his people because he delights in it. God loves to bless his people. He loves his creation. He loves to bless them. And he loves to bless them when they follow him. When we honor our father and mother, God blesses his people. Now, we don't do it just so God will give us stuff, right? I'm going to do what mom says, and maybe God will give me a bike. It's not how that works, right? I'm going to honor my mom and dad and obey him because God calls me to. It's right, and I love him. And God does tell me that if I do it, my life will be good. He will honor it. He will bless it. So we've got these bigger principles at play, right? So why do we obey mom and dad? Why do we honor mom and dad? Because it's right. Because God tells me to. Because I love him, right? And because he will bless it, right? Not because mom and dad say so. Because God orders it in that wonderful way. Now, kiddos, this is high-value stuff, right? It's hard to do, but it's what we're called to. But here's the amazing thing, is that Paul doesn't stop there and say, okay, that's it, kids, go home and wash the dishes, do everything mom and dad says to do. He says, I got a word for your parents, too, and it's a big one. So if you're, if you're a kid right now, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your mom and dad, and I want you to say, hey, it's time to listen, all right? Say that to them right now. Say it out loud. Say, it's time to listen, all right? Because this is for you, right? So mom and dad, this is what Paul has to say to you. So we know about honoring our parents. So now we're talking to parents. So listen to what Paul says to parents. Fathers, do not exasperate, I'll break that word down in a moment, your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction to the Lord. So Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. What an interesting way to start this section, right? Because he had just talked about mom and dad. Children, honor your mom and dad, your parents. And he uses the term mothers and fathers. But then when he switches gears, he addresses fathers. Now, this doesn't mean moms are out of the equation, right? There's a bigger principle at play here. And if you've been with us for the past four weeks, you'll see it, all right? Paul does a specific addressing of fathers because fathers have a very specific role. And it's not that moms are exempt from it, right? But if we're talking to parents, we're talking specifically right this moment to the ordered role in Christian households. We've talked about it for the past couple of weeks, so you can go back and, and take a listen. But basically what Paul's saying is this. In the pervasive Roman culture, right, that they were living in in Ephesus, 
fathers or men had basically what was akin to unlimited power in their homes, meaning they possessed everything. And in a Roman culture, their children belonged in their household and they could do what they wanted to with them. That means if they didn't like their children, this is true, they could sell them into slavery. Right? That's a true thing. And if those kids weren't good kids, then they could actually put them out of their house. It was an abuse of power because in that culture and in non-believers, non-Christians, the children were the property of the father. And Paul knows this, and so he's addressing this saying, don't be like culture. Christians are actually called to a incredibly different and higher standard. So fathers, don't let that power get to you the wrong way. These kids don't belong to you. They're not your property. They belong to the Lord, right? So it's probably reason number one. Reason number two is oftentimes throughout history and throughout cultures, dads have had a way of escaping responsibility, right? I'm going to work so many hours that I'm not going to be home. I'm going to leave the responsibility of raising kids to my wife. Maybe not as much in our culture today, but maybe even 50 years ago or all those generations before, raising children was left to the mom and dad didn't have to participate. It's not a biblical principle, actually, right? And what he's saying to dads is, dad, you have a responsibility. You've got a responsibility to walk with your children and your family as the leader spiritually in this household, meaning you are responsible for the well-being spiritually of your family. The same way the elders will be held accountable for the well-being and spiritual health of the church, fathers will be held accountable for the well-being and spiritual health of their families. We looked at that a few weeks ago. It's just there. So what he doesn't exempt moms, but what he does say is, dads, listen to me. All right, so children, obey your parents, right? Honor your mother and father. Moms and dads, especially dads, I'm going to tell you two things. Don't exasperate your children. That's a big word. You know what that word really just means? It means don't provoke them. There's another one in there. Don't provoke them to anger. It means don't make your children unduly angry. Now, this is crazy, right? Because what you'd think is Paul would be telling this to the kids. Kids, don't make your parents crazy. That's all you do is you make them crazy. Everything that you today say to do, you don't do. They tell you to put on pants, you take off your pants. They tell them to stay inside, you run outside. They tell you not to eat sugar, all you do is shove a bunch of lollipops in your mouth. Everything that you do, you're making me absolutely crazy. But he doesn't address kids that way. He addresses moms, dads, and especially fathers. Don't provoke your kids to anger, undue anger. Wow, right? Like that's my job? That little thing that you gave me is making me crazy, and my job's not to make them mad? That's exactly what that means because it hinges on the idea of maturity. Now, I came across this list, and I said, I'm not going to claim to make it my own, but it's a beautiful list that I think are things that we need to avoid as moms and dads, right, and avoid as parents and especially as fathers that lead to the exasperation of our children or provoke them to anger, which they shouldn't do. So I'm going to read a few of them. I'm going to read them to you, and I want you to sort of take them with a grain of salt in the bigger context. But this is how you don't exasperate your children. First, is constantly making and breaking promises. God didn't do this. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect promise keeper. Don't be a mom or a dad that makes promises and don't, doesn't keep them, right? Provokes children to anger. They begin to hang on to your words. They begin to believe the things that you say. And when you constantly break those, right, you develop this pattern of hurt. So you quit constantly making and breaking promises. Stay away from crushing discipline. Crushing discipline is that discipline that is unjust, unfair, or comes out of anger, right? 
This is where most of us live. We always discipline in our anger. It's terrible, but we do because we're mad in that moment. And in that moment, we need justice. I can't believe you did what I told you not to do. Therefore, I'm going to unjustly do something that is way over the top, right? Can't believe you drew on the wall. Cutting off your hand. No, I can't cut off your hand. You're grounded for six years. Nah, six years. You know, we just do this unjust thing. Don't be unjust in your discipline. Don't be inconsistent, right? Work to be consistent in the way that you parent and the way that you love. When kids have to measure their expectations based on what comes and goes and who you're going to be on that very day, are you going to be kind and soft or hard and angry or who are you when you come home? It's really a hard and difficult and terrible place to live if they don't know who you truly are. So be consistent. Don't punish your kids when you don't have evidence or punish the wrong one. I do this all the time. I did this to our dogs last night, night before last. I had a dog sleeping inside because they usually sleep in the little kennels. But it's been hot. One of our dogs digs through the wall, literally digs through the sheetrock, right? Like just gnawing and never have done that before in their life. So, of course, I'm getting ready to leave the house. I find that dog, and I just give her a talking to. A little bit of talking to, a little bit of whopping. That dog got trouble, right? Turns out it was the wrong dog. Cooper goes, hey, you know that wasn't uh, Maisie, right? That was Maddie. And I was like, oh, gee, uh, sorry. And so that dog's like, man, this house is the worst. You just sleep it and they come in and whop you. I was like, so you do this with your children sometimes, right? It's just like this sort of unjust, I don't have evidence. Like I'm just, somebody did it, right? Somebody, somebody did it. Brandon says they have a fifth kid at their house called, I don't know, and he gets blamed for everything. And that I don't know is the worst kid in the family. Who did this? I don't know. Well, where's he? Because he's going to pay. Well, I don't know, does everything wrong in their house. And so, same thing. Don't be punishing the innocent, right? Don't ever discipline out of rage. That goes without exception. Calm down, cool off, right? Um, Don't embarrass your children in front of anyone. Strangers, their friends, your friends, right? Be their biggest advocate, their biggest supporter. Be their champion. If you have something to nitpick with them on or talk to them about, do it in the stillness and the privacy of your own home. But be your children's biggest backbone, right? Don't, and don't um, embarrass them, right? Don't not spend time with them or be a person that spends time with your kids, right? Make sure they value those things. Remember moms and dads that created memories with them. Don't be the mom or dad that's too cool or too busy to do X, Y, and Z, right? Don't be one thing at home and another thing in the world. Let them see your consistency, The way that you speak at home should be the way that you speak at church. Make sure the language and the things that you use are consistent for your kids, right? Be a person where they go, man, now my mom and dad are the exact same people when they go out on Friday with their friends as they are when they're here on Saturday. The way that they treat me in public and the way they treat me in private is the same. They're not super great and kind to me outside of here and then just berate me when we get home. Be consistent. And then finally, well, two things. Don't ask the impossible, right? Remember, your four-year-old's four, not 15. Remember, your 15-year-old's 15, not four. Know the expectations, and if you don't know, talk to your spouse. A lot of times, God gives us this incredible team to be able to figure this thing out together, like what's appropriate, what's not. Don't ask the impossible. And then finally, don't be at a place where you won't say, I'm sorry. Look, none of us as parents, kids, hear this. None of us know what we're doing. We are trying our best, and we're gonna make, we are going to make huge mistakes. So parents, say, I'm sorry, if you mess it up, right? So all of those things couple together. If we don't do those things, there are ways that we begin to exasperate or anger our children. And Paul says, don't do it. 
All this boils down to this idea of be really humble in your parenting, right? So the second thing he says there is this. Don't just not exasperate them, but teach them to follow the Lord. He says, bring them up in the training of the Lord. This is something that is so easy in words, yet so difficult in practice. And I want to look at Paul and be like, oh, Paul, I get it. You mean don't make your kids so crazy angry at you that they want to punch you. Instead, teach them to follow Jesus. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was doing the opposite, right? I, was, I, I didn't understand. I, I was really trying to do the opposite, right? I was trying to make them really mad and to walk away from me. That was my deep goal. No. The truth of the matter is, if it were that easy, we would all engage in it, but it's really hard. And that's why Paul says that this process is a process of us becoming mature together. Train them to follow the Lord. How do you do that, Trev? Like, literally, what do I do? How do I train my kids? Like, I know how to train a dog, right? I put a leash on them, I go for a walk, I tell them to sit, they sit. I put a leash on my kid, I go to jail. So, can't do that. So, how do I do that? It's really, it's not as hard as it sounds, but it's difficult in practice. Three things, quickly, parents. First is model it. If you want to train your kids to honor and follow the Lord, then you have to show them what that looks like, meaning fall in love with Jesus, spend time in the Word, pray. Let them see you. Let them be a part of the things that you're a part of, right? Let them see you go to church. Let them see you go to life group. Let them see you engage. Let them see you pray. Let them see your Bible. Let them see you watching and reading things that matter. Express your faith with them while they're a part of your household. Model it. If they aren't seeing these things happen in your life, they are not going to happen in their life. They're not going to all of a sudden magically want to become kids that pray if they've never seen mom or dad pray. They're not going to magically want to open their Bible because they came to church and Jenny told them to. They're going to see it modeled in their home. So model it. The second thing is share it with them. Share these things with them. Pray with your children. Pray before meals. Pray on the way to school. Ask your kids what's going on at school and how we can pray together. Are there kids in your class we can pray for? Take them to places that matter to you right? Model this behavior and engage them in it. At age-appropriate times, talk to your kids about the struggles that you're having in age-appropriate ways, right? It's been a hard season at work, but God's been really good. Like, talk to your kids about the things that you're... Let them see your faith in action. This is a hard time for us, but it's a good time, and we're going to trust God. So let's all pray together that God is going to show himself to us as a family. Share in these things together, don't just engage in the dinner table, how was your day? Which is wonderful, but actually ask questions that have follow-up meaning. How was your day? Is there somebody in your class that needs help? Is there something we can do as a family? Is there something in your world that we can pray for together? What's happening in your life? Where did you see what we learned at church at work today in the world? Jenny talked about loving people, or Treb talked about being kind on Sunday. How are we kind this week? Model these things and then share it with them. The third thing is celebrate it, right? Make great celebration moments for your family. Like, find the things that are worth celebrating and make them great. Laugh a lot. Play a lot. Dig a hole. Make a fort. Do the things that matter. Celebrate these moments. Constantly be talking about how good God is. Everything in your house is not always broken. The cars aren't always garbage. Money is not always not there. Things are not always terrible. God is good. Even in the middle of difficult times, God is good. Let your children hear you talk about how great God is, even in the middle of difficult things in life. God is worth following and worth celebrating. Yeah, we can't do that right now, but we're going to create this memory instead. 
We may not be able to go and do this, but we're going to do our own version of this. I had a great family that I used to love and support, and we were in Austin, a big part of our family. They, they were trying to dad had switch jobs. They didn't have a lot of extra resource. They couldn't do a lot of vacations. So every summer with their cousins, they'd get together and they'd do Survivor Week. And back in the day, I think that show is actually still on. Back in the day, it was the biggest show in the country. And the dads of these three, of these actually four families, they were all brothers, would get together and they would plan a full week of Survivor-style family against family games in their backyard. All the families would come together, and their vacation was essentially competing against one another in the Survivor Series. They didn't have any resources, but they wanted to create memories for their kids where they celebrated the fact that they could still do things together and with people that mattered. Like, be creative. I talk to so many families where everything is just such a struggle, and what our kids are hearing is, oh, this car's garbage. I can't believe we can't afford a new one. You've got a car. Like, be grateful. Let the kids see gratitude pouring out of you. Everything is not so busy, so awful, such a struggle. Like, enjoy those things. Model it, share it, celebrate it. Okay, so this is where we've come to, right? Children, honor and obey your parents because it's right, because you love the Lord, because God commands it, and because he blesses it. And parents, don't provoke your kids to crazy anger. Like, be someone that models something different. Think about that list we talked about. And train them or teach them to follow the Lord, right, by modeling it and sharing it and celebrating it. All this to say, how do we do this together, right? I'm going to give you three quick things. So this is the time we need to wake up Dad, shake him next to you, and go, Dad, pay attention. We're bringing this to a close. How many words do I have left? I got a lot left. I got some ones to get to. Hey, what's that yellow thing that we pick, picks us up for school? The school Shuttle? Bus. Okay, school bus. Let's get that. Let's scratch that one off. I know it's on. Right? I got a bunch more out there. How many, am I missing some more? Okay. Soccer. Oh, oh football. Sorry, sorry. Okay. All right. We're going to add a couple more things. We're probably going to cover these. I'm going to put it right here so it's right high and mighty. Okay. How do we do this together? Like, what are the easy ways that we can break down as parents and children to practice these things out? And these are great principles for everybody here. So listen, right? These are great principles that come right out of the Word of God. The first one is this, right? How do we do these things together? How do we honor and obey mom and dad? How do we not provoke our kids to anger? How do we train them in the Lord? Three things. The first one is this. Don't be selfish. So Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Don't be selfish. A lot of the tension between moms and dads and between moms and dads and children is due to our own selfishness. We're only thinking about us. Now, here's the thing, parents. This comes with maturity, which means that your four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up year old is not mature and walking with the Lord as you are. So the brunt of this falls on you. But you're to call and remind them that we're not to be selfish. Kids, everything that unfolds in your household is not about you. Sometimes, and a lot of times, we do things because there are other people living there. We take dishes, and we rinse them, and we put them in the dishwasher so that mom or dad doesn't have to do something extra. Because I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about somebody else. I pick up my laundry or I make my bed because it makes something easier for someone that I love. Same thing with parents, right? A lot of times we're selfish. We want to teach our kids a lesson, right? And so in order to teach them a lesson, we do something that has our interests in play. And the lesson's lost. And we end up just being overbearing. Don't be selfish. In humility, consider others better than yourself. 
live in a world in which this whole thing is not about you. Number two, be kind. Kindness is a choice. You cannot control what happens in life, period. You may think you can, but you can't. You can't control it. You can't control what teacher you're going to get. Now your parents can kind of wiggle the back angle sometimes, but not always. You can't control who's in your class. You can't control how mean Teddy's going to be or whatnot. You can't control all these things that unfold, how your people are going to act at work, what they're going to do, but you always can control how you respond. Kindness is an absolute choice. You may not have what's going on in your life and think it's fair. You may not think that mom and dad are treating you fair. You may not think that the way that God has given you children is fair. But the reality is you can choose kindness, which means you can choose kindness in the way that you speak and in your words and the way that you live. So if mom and dad ask you to do something, you can choose to do it in a way that's like, fine, whatever, I'll do it because God says to do it, but I don't want to do it. Or you can just say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I love the Lord. I'm going to try and do this. Now, again, this is acts on maturity. The older you get, the more this makes sense. So parents, be patient. But kindness begets kindness. If you are kind to your children, they will see that, and in return, over time, they will mirror and model that kindness because it was shown to them. This actually comes out of Ephesians 4.32, where we were just there a few uh, weeks ago, where Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you. So he says, look, family, be kind and compassionate to each other. Forgive as Jesus forgave you. You know one of the most unkind places in the world, in the world, is in our own homes. We hold grudges and we're mean, right? And we're passive aggressive and we say things that we shouldn't. And we do it all because it's safe relationships, but they're the most hurtful sometimes. Be kind. Talk to your children with kind words. Children, talk to your parents with kind words, right? And the third thing is this, and I love this one because, well, I wrote them all, so I love them all, but I like this one. Say, I love you. Like, literally use the words. Say, I love you. Because when we do this, right, when we model these things coming out of our mouths, it gives value to those people. So tell your children, fathers, mothers, tell your children that you love them all the time. Like literally speak it into their face, squeeze their little cheeks until they want to squirm away and just say, I love you. You have been given to me by God. I adore you. Speak it over to them when they're infants. Speak it over to them when they're 35. Tell your children that you love them. Kids, this is super annoying. All we want is you to say it back. Not K. K does not count as anything. By text, I love you, and you reply, K, that does not mean anything to me. Give me the words. Right? I love you. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. They mean things. Words matter so much. We like to pretend they don't, but they matter immensely. So get in the practice of saying them. If you grew up in a household that did not say I love you, break that culture in your new home. If you grew up in a household that didn't hug, that didn't show affection, break that cycle in your home now. Don't propagate it. Stick a stick in that spoke of that tire, stop it, and look at your kids and say, I adore you and I love you, and I'm so blessed to have you, and I'm going to hug you until your shoes pop off. Right? 
be a family that celebrates the relationships that God has given us. Now, it's not always easy. I can love you at times and not always like you, but I love you. And you have been given to me. I'm called to honor you both as a parent and as a child, right? So children, here's all this is. Children, obey your parents. Honor them with respect because God calls you to, right? It's right. He commands you to, and he blesses it, and we love Jesus. And parents, don't push your kids. Don't push their buttons because you can. Be a parent that operates in a different way, right? Train them to love the Lord. Model it, share it, celebrate it. And together, don't be selfish. Be kind. Say, I love you. And if you left your backpack at home, Go get it. Just had to sneak that one in there. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as family. Lord, we thank you that we are called in a way to do everything that our parents ask us to do. And sometimes they may say, mow the lawn. And we've got to mow the lawn. Sometimes they tell us to do things that are simple. Sometimes they command us to do things that we don't understand but are just in our best interest. So let us be children that love our parents enough to obey and honor them, Lord. Lord, let us be parents that honor our children, that want to lead them and train them to follow the Lord and do it with kindness. But let us all be people, Lord, that enjoy each other, that love our family time, that care enough about each other to not be selfish, Lord, to not go out of our way to avoid each other, but to be kind and to say, I love you, to do the things that matter, to enjoy that time, to realize that this is the family that we have. And we're going to have them forever. For a long time, we're going to have them. And so, God, we ask that you would bless those relationships and that we would honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our time by singing together one song. Did I miss any words? Which one? Vine children. Okay, I missed that one. All right, stand together to close our time as our five kids sing out loud. Bingo. Bingo. God, as we sing this final song to you, we just confess in our hearts as children we have not always been obedient. We confess as parents that we have made mistakes and frustrated our children, and we confess that we have not always been obedient to our Heavenly Father. Lord, help us to do right by you and by each other. Father, we're singing to 
If you've got that blue piece of paper, you can take it to Miss Jenny, and she's going to give you all kinds of treats and treasures. But go from this place empowered by the Holy Spirit. Children, obey and honor your moms and dads, right? And parents, right? Don't push your kids. Love them to the Lord. And for all of us, right? Don't be selfish. Be kind. Say, I love you. Go in peace.